we had two mice, they're identical mice, and we fed one junk food all day, and the other mouse got, like, proper mouse food. And we just watched the mouse who only ate junk food just deteriorate, like, twitches, and he wouldn't sleep, and he would... It was, it was so cruel. But, like, that never left me, that image. But I, I feel like there ought to be a, like, more humane way to get that lesson across, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down for a special episode because today we don't have Gene. Gene is at the national meeting for child psychiatry. Someone had to hold down the fort and I drew that card, which I'm happy to do because I have an awesome guest today uh, whom I'm going to introduce in just a second. But what I want to say is that the, the things we're going to talk about kind of combine the two things that matter most to me personally, but also matter a lot to the Clay Center generally. One is the power of community to keep us healthy, uh, keep our kids healthy especially. And the other is this kind of false separation that we as a culture still pursue between uh, body and mind, which has never made much sense to me. There, after all, is a neck connecting the brain to the rest of the body. And yet we, we separate them. So we have with us today um, Ming, who is an expert in uh, both of these things and works in the community health systems here at Mass General. Uh, Ming, uh, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. That's, you said exactly what I said. That was fun. Um, Ming, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh, hello, everyone again. My name is Ming San, and I work for MGG Community Health Associates, and we are a division of MGG Center for Community Health Improvement. And what, what do you guys do? Uh, we do many things, and CCHI, that stands for Community Health Improvement, runs um, coalitions in each of our uh, health center-served communities, such as Charlestown, Chelsea, and Revere. But then my office, CHA, does something a little bit differently. So we actually work with each of our health centers to help them seek grants and run many programs. What I do there is to provide community health education to the general public, especially school children. So you're working particularly or exclusively with uh, younger folks, so grade school and up? Yes, grade oh. schools. Yeah. Okay, and it stops at, um, so only grade schools, is that what you said? Or is it? Yes, grade so, schools. So yeah. little kids. Um, and so you get in there early to try to get them to do what? I run a health education program that's called Stay in Shape. What could that possibly be about, stay in shape? I'm <laughs> teasing. <laughs> it speaks for itself. <laughs> Tell us. Yes. By the name of it, it means to stay in physical and mental shape for everyone. The program serves students fifth through the 12th grades. So it's currently run at eight public schools spreading around Charlestown, Chelsea, and Revere. So meaning we have uh, elementary, middle school, and high schools all together on this program. 
all participating in this stay in shape. Yes, uh, select eight groups. And and I have the curriculum in front of me here. It's pretty it's pretty involved. And what I what I like about it is it doesn't just focus as one might think from the title, stay in shape. You might think that it's only about um, working out, like, like being healthy with with your body. But it but it seems like it seamlessly combines the importance of keeping um, your mind healthy, uh, of being resilient, of being mindful, all these things that we get excited about. Is, am I reading that correctly? Yes, exactly, Steve. You're absolutely right. I think the Stay in Shape program tries to support young children, school children, to be more aware of health, their body, and their mind. So what Stay in Shape does is to provide a chance for them to come together, selected groups during either after school time or in school time, depending on each school. And when they come together, we provide this time for them to have a conversation about important things such as nutrition, sleep, um, screen time, meaning entertainment screen time, and uh, um, physical fitness activities and stress management. So these are all, of course, hot button issues. Uh, yes. So let's just let's uh, pick um, the no pun in intended here the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. What if they don't want to eat fruit? What if they say, I really like French fries. It's the only thing I'll eat. I, I like the beige foods, which is what my little kid used to say, uh, yeah. pasta, French fries. What do you say? Yeah. Well, actually, bingo. Uh, we actually had students who told us after analyzing, say, a food label for a particular food, it's not, uh, uh, say, French fries. It's actually called turkeys. What is it? Um, it's, it's a snack item. Okay. And that many young students, fifth graders, like to eat. Teachers told us they see students come into school with a bag of turkeys in their hand in the morning. So they are using that item as their breakfast. So the teachers actually asked us to talk about it. So we provided interactive activities for the students to learn to read uh, the nutrition food labels which is actually part of the Stain Shape program, skill building activities. So after analyzing the food labels, even though they saw the nutrition facts and with there is absolutely no nutrient in that particular food. It has no redeeming value. No. Other than tasting but good. But then the students conclusion, you know, a few of them still say, Well, it's still a good choice for breakfast. When I asked them further about why they concluded that way, they simply said, I like it. Which so, is a fair answer. It's a true yes, answer. Yes. For someone that age, we absolutely acknowledge um, that answer. And then over the years, I learned from my um, uh, registered dietitian colleagues at MG Health Centers, um, they also face answers like that from young children. So their advice for me is to answer this question this way. If it's something that you like that lacks real nutritional values, use it as a treat, meaning that you can have it once in a while, but not on a daily basis for breakfast. I kind of want to taste it now. 
Um, I'm going to go buy some today. Yes. <laughs> but, but I'll buy other things too, healthier things. Yes. So we try to, so that's just an example to show. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting and also challenging situation to guide young children through this process because food is plenty here in the USA. People have so many choices. How do you always choose better? So I think that involves in, you know, shaping their attitudes towards health and healthier food items from the nutrition point of view and provide opportunities for them to pick up facts and then also come to their own conclusions, like the, the activity we provided for them to work on. That's so cool because if, if you think about it, and I'm sure you have um, developmentally, Kids that age love facts. Like they love knowing things, like mm -hmm. stuff. They know how many you know outs, how many fouls are in out in kickball. They know statistics, like it's nobody's business. They so to know nutritional labels is almost like the way you would know baseball statistics. Mm -hmm. Kind of plays right to where they are developmentally. Mm -hmm. And then you also do something else, which I really love. I was really scared when I asked you that that you would say you say something to them like, you must never, ever have Tarkies again because it is bad for you. And you don't say that. You say it's a treat. It's mm -hmm. just uh, there's not a lot of nutritional value to an Oreo cookie either. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's a treat. You can't yes. have an Oreo cookie all the time yeah. and only that. I'm sure parents out there or other adults out there, ha out there must have other creative ways to address um, children's comments like this. Um, you know, effectively. And I think uh, the point is for them to keep learning. So changes will come along, hopefully, that when they realize that there are better choices out there that will help them build a healthier mind over time. I'm pretty sure something like French fries or turkeys provide this temporary, you know, joy uh, say it's the taste bud thing or whatever you call it. But mm -hmm. then over time, we need to point out they should basically maintain a very steady pattern of eating healthier foods most of the time. So they, have, they will have a much better chance to have a healthier mind, happier mood during the day so they can pursue their interests and study well at school and pass exams and feel proud of their achievements. So just and be happier. Like, yes. I mean, this is one of the ironies, right? Like, like it feels good, I'm assuming, because I've never had Tarkis. But it, if it's anything like French fries, I'm sure it feels good. Although almost always when I have French fries now, because I'm older and pudgier, I regret it later. Mm -hmm. So I have it on occasion with the acknowledgement that I might regret it later, but I also will enjoy it in the moment. That's the, that's the treat part. And so you don't take the treat away from the kids. You just no. tell them that they need to understand that what they put into their body has actual right. repercussions. Yes, long-term. Long-term. Long-term, yeah. Do you get any, I'm just curious, do you get pushback from the kids when you come in? Like, do, does it feel to them like someone's wagging their finger at them and saying, you must never, or you... Like, like I can remember these nutrition talks when I was a kid and, and have even given some of these, you know, kinds of advice to some of my uh, patients and they kind of roll their eyes. They're like, they've heard it before. Mm. I'm wondering if you get more buy-in if you're in the school as opposed to in, the, in an office or in a doctor's office. Yeah, you're right, Steve. I think children these days, because information is so available, 
and they can get uh, information through different channels. Um, yes, there are things they might have heard in the past, but we've been very lucky with uh, all our program participants. Most of them actually um, enjoy our talks, having a conversation with our teaching team members, and even if it's something they have learned, and it it's never you know, redundant for them to keep hearing consistent messages from different adults. So that seed is solidly planted in their uh, mind so they can have a much better chance to really practice that in their daily lives. I think all of us, most of us, must have had the experience that our parents, especially moms, um, nag at us, I guess. Um, Perish so, the thought. Yes. So, Never. But yes. amazingly, when I... This become, morning, my mom nagged to me in, in a sweet <laughs> way, but yeah. she checked in and it was... So, meaning repeatedly telling you something to do something. But amazingly, when I become a grown-up, all those nags, I remember very clearly. So I, you know, subconsciously follow through and practice them. So... That actually, I don't know if that's called a conventional wisdom. So I think children need learn through repetitions. I think that's cognitively oh, yeah. or psychologically true. Absolutely. Yeah. They also store things. So mm-hmm. so the things that we experience, like I was I was making you know a little bit of fun of my mom who did call just to check up on me and make sure, literally to make sure I'm eating well um, at the age of fifty three, <laughs> which is what my mom does, and I love her for it. The I remember the things she said. I remember rolling my eyes at them, and I am grateful that my mom didn't decide that I therefore wasn't listening mm. and didn't stop. She, in other words, mm-hmm. she kept, you know, quote-unquote nagging, and that nagging then implanted these things as messages for mm-hmm. me that then I, I later lived on. And we tell this to parents all the time. They, your kid may look like he or she's not listening to you, mm-hmm. but they are. They uh, are. Yes. They'll put it someplace. They'll go play with it later. They just can't show you that in the moment because they give up some of their, you know, burgeoning autonomy mm-hmm. and independence. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right, Steve. Children are constantly gaining their space and their independence. That's very true. Like you just described, when they, even when they are in agreement with you, they may not want to show that in front of your uh, face. It's very true. It's very true. So we have to yeah. persevere. Yes. How does that work for you when you talk about the exercise thing? Because that's it's hard to get kids to want to to want to work out or whatever. What do you call, do you call it working out or what do you? What uh, do you we just uh, we begin by telling everyone everyone should have a daily exercise goal uh, by the national guidelines from the U.S. government, which is sixty at least sixty minutes a day for all school children. So we one, one six. That's what you said. Sixteen. Sixty. Oh, sixty. Six, six zero. Oh, okay, yeah. an hour. One hour. Okay. Yeah. One hour of exercise every day for uh, each child. Um, I think we put this up front uh, for them, so everybody has a number uh, in mind to work on, and then. When you practice that, I think you have many creative ways to reach the goal. For example, say if today your schedule is so tight, you have so much homework, you just could not spend one hour 
exercising. But then maybe tomorrow you are um, freed up a little bit, and then maybe you can make up for what the time you lost the other day. So on average, so everybody need to hit the 60 or 60 minutes or one hour a day. And so what is that? Is that like playing bas- like a pickup basketball game? Would that count? Very good question. I think it's for everyone to figure out what their favorite activities are. So all activities count in this case. We encourage children to play what they want to play. They enjoy playing. Uh, I would say my experience for almost 20 years is that most of the school children love sports. They love physical activities. I think it's just in their nature. So for us adults, uh, we need to just seek this opportunity to encourage them to keep up, um, to pursue their passion, and then use the time to be physically active. Because when you are after a good workout, physical activity, uh, most people will report they feel much better after, you know, breaking out a sweat, um, had fun with friends in the group. Um, so when you are feeling good, then you are at a much better chance to make good decisions. So is breaking a sweat, like, is that one of the goals of the program? Uh, I think the national guidelines point out that uh, 60 minutes or one hour a day is like three or four days for children, they need to play like strenuous activities. Strenuous uh, activities. Yes. Okay. So that means activities like running, swimming, bicycling, uh, playing a ball game. So that mm-hmm. will create an opportunity for them to sweat, I mm-hmm. guess. I think these days children, national figures seem to point out children don't spend enough time being physically a- uh, active. There are many reasons, and one of them is probably they are spending time with their gadgets, Mm -hmm. meaning entertainment screen time. Yeah, and and you know, um, I'm so conflicted about this because the gadgets are cool, Mm -hmm. and I often wish that I had grown up with them. I've written video games. like I, I like these gadgets, but then at the same time, I can recall my mom telling me to go outside and saying, come back, and when the light's you know, when the streetlights come on, like that was a line and it wasn't an uncommon line. Everybody did that. And I could count on other kids being outside too. So games just kind of happened because you would run into other kids and something would spontaneously be planned. And I, I worry now that the culture is such that you have to, there's no room for that kind of spontaneity. You have to set it up, mm-hmm. uh, which then prevents kids from wanting to set foot outside the house because it's sad and lonely. There's nobody else out there. Right. There are some neighborhoods the parents might be concerned about safety around. Yeah, yeah. So even that's though, another yeah. Yeah, social call it social determinant of health. So safety is definitely one of those things. So I guess the challenge for all of us as adults to guide children through this is to be aware of this and then maybe be more creative and have a conversation with children because they are incredibly resilient. Um, They are incredibly uh, creative. Um, Maybe on weekends when the family has 
more time so they can do things together with parents going out somewhere. Um, also use school resources. Almost all schools provide sports activities. And then, and also in our communities, MGH served communities, uh, we have programs like Staying Shape and other programs run by MGHCCHI coalitions in each of these communities. So children are all encouraged to join and then be part of it. Um, so when the groups are together, so they have a much better chance to, you know, to try things out, to have more fun, in other words, and also, you know, to, uh, like, a program like Staying Shape, it does provide time for physical uh, yeah. fitness activities. Designated so they, time. Yes, designated so time. So they can know there'll be other kids there. Yes. And can you tell me about some of the other goals, like specific goals that you actually, like benchmarks you ask the kids to meet? Um spent some time practicing deep breathing to control daily stress How, for a like, healthier mind. So specific, what do you say? Like hold your breath in for three seconds and then breathe out slow, in through the nose, out through the mouth. What's the... Yes. Yeah. That's simply because MGH Benson Henry Institute on Body Medicine is a strong advocate on this practice. So we built this component into the Stain Shape program. So we have been promoting this type of behavior to have the children try simple ways to control their daily stress. There are many other ways, but deep breathing is one that has been researched on to show evidence to not only be a contributive factor in treating diseases, but also for prevention as well. Yeah. So we try to give time in during class after we have the conversation about stress and relaxation. Uh, according to Dr. Herbert Benson, you know, both are our birthrights. So we are born to feel stress and we are also born to be able to relax. So I like we, thinking of it as a birthright. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. my it's my right. I have a right to relax. Yes. We so, forget that. Yeah. So we try to, you know, after a conversation about these concepts, we provide time for the children to actually do deep breathing. How many times a day should they do um, it? We always encourage them a couple of times a day, however much time they have, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, you know, 20 minutes, uh, they can do that, um, especially when there is a major event coming up, such as... Uh, you know, like uh, MCAS, the children are all constantly being tested at school. The MCAS, and just so folks know, those are the state-organized um, testing that goes to all public school students. Correct. I think all, does it go to all students, period, not just public schools? I'm not sure. But mm -hmm. students take it as a means of measuring how well the school is doing and how well the individual kids are doing as mm -hmm. well. Yes. Just this past week when we did the program at Warren Prescott School, uh, we had an interactive activity, activity for the students to write down, you know, thoughts they are currently struggle with, meaning stress. And many of them wrote down homework and testing. So, yeah, um, yeah so children yeah. definitely feel pressured and stressed. So we try to give them a simple tool uh, when they can control their daily stress. Um, that feels to me like such an important lesson. It's, it's, life will be stressful. Like, like, we don't want kids to not 
feel stress because that's part of moving forward possible. developmentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we want them to be able to manage the stress so yes. that the stress doesn't manage them. Exactly. You, you know, like we. Yes. And so you give them tools for that. What, what are some other goals? Uh, other goals. So we have nutrition goals. We have relaxation goals. And another one, we, uh, exercise goals we just talked about. Another one is sleep. Mm. So, um, so many children um, tell us they actually don't sleep enough hours at night for various reasons. So, first of all, just like we address other topics, we would give the national guidelines, experts guidelines for sleep for this for their age range. So um, it for, for now, they should really aim to sleep 9 to 10 hours per night. Um, and a lot of children are I was gonna really... I'm just laughing. That's a yeah, hard one. That's a hard one. A lot of children are actually under it. Um, some children even reported just 4 hours per night Ooh. for them. Um, the Lit- reasons that literally your brain can't grow, just so folks know, like right. literally the brain will not develop on four hours of sleep. Yeah, I just cannot imagine a child sleeping four hours for a long time. What kind of um, effect this will create for their current and also future health? I do hope that parents and adults out there will pay attention to this very, very important basic issue of sleep. It's so important across the ages, especially for children who are still developing their brain functions. Yeah. So having enough sleep is key. So when we discuss this conversation um, and we try to tell them there is a strategy that's called uh, prioritizing. So you have so many priorities in your life every day. So when it's nighttime after dinner, I think your priority, probably only one priority, is work towards your sleep. Going to bed at a set time every day, including weekend, that's what the experts say, keep it consistent. So, so you have a much better chance to have more hours of sleep. So um, a good night's sleep it's so important for them for their next next day functioning, whether it's just going through their day and not to mention all the children go to school and then studying, passing exams and other activities. So if you don't have a good night's sleep, I think everybody knows what it would feel like. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Day. No. So. so as we wrap up, what... Do you have a favorite of all those recommendations you make, or is that not... I guess it wouldn't be possible because they all intermingle. Each one is necessary for the other one. Yes, they are all important to build this packet for living a healthy life. So at the end of our program, we always point out uh, the last topic is always putting it all together. So we address so many things. And in some schools, we... In Charlestown schools, we actually run the program with the Charlestown MG Coalition Against Substance Use, and they have a program that's called Life Skills. So we run Life Skills and Stay in Shape jointly. So connecting all dots for children to live a healthy life, it's a lot of decision-making for them, 
lot of learning. So we try to point out it's not just one thing you do it right. It's the whole packet you need to carry with you、uh, for the rest of your life, pretty consistently. So that way you will have a much better chance to stay away from some negative things in life, such as you know, smoking, vaping, or using. Harmful substances or making other poor decisions. So we try to encourage them to carry this as a packet, not as a siloed、um, practice. So everything plays a role in、yeah. this. Everything counts.、Um, yeah. So that's what we do with the Stain Shape program. It sounds like they are very lucky to have you,、um, and we're lucky to have you. Like you know, in this part of MGH, and and also joining us here today,、um, I, I got one final question. Yes. How do you work out?、Mm, I walk a lot because I take public transportation、mm-hmm. to work every day, so that gives me、um, more opportunities just to walk. Yeah. So it's been like that every day for almost twenty、um, years. Wow. So. So that、um, I've been reading a lot lately about urban hiking, actually, and people、mm-hmm. will talk about going for long, long walks within the city. You don't have to go out to the mountains, and you can see like really interesting landscapes, different people, different cultures.、Uh, and and as you point out, walking actually is a、um, it's a huge、uh, caloric expenditure,、mm-hmm. like like it's a workout. Yeah.、Um, and and you don't really feel it in the same way, so it doesn't feel so burdensome. No, it's it, there are so many opportunities around、uh, around us. I think it's up to us to utilize those resources around us. Yeah, you're so right, Steve, by saying that walking is one of the you know simplest things that we do almost unconsciously every day. So every step counts. I do encourage everybody to walk more. A lot of the times, you ask people why you do not exercise.、Mm-hmm. They One of the reasons that given most frequently is I don't have the time.、Um, and, can, and the time is is there. Yes, it is. Opportunities are there as well. well yeah. I want to thank you、uh, for joining us today, and also for all the work, more importantly, that you're doing in the community. And if folks out there、uh, listening have any questions、uh, for Ming, for myself, or just general questions about the.、Um, Relationships between、uh, community health and individual health, and the relationships between、uh, physical and、uh, mental health.、Uh, please、uh, give us a, a ring or a call or an email.、Uh, we'll get right back to you. I'm Steve Schlossman. Ming San. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.